of God, we got to get excited about the love that Jesus has given. You know what? The love of Jesus has made it so that each and every one of us has a pathway to God. We have forgiveness. We have patience. How many of us need a little extra dose of patience? I do. How many of us need a little extra love? And I'm talking about not just getting love, but being able to give some love. I do. And I'm going to tell you what, when the Lord Jesus comes into your heart, when the Holy Ghost comes in and he dwells there, that's the only thing that can come out. Talked about him last week, didn't we? Oh, and what a friend he is. What a friend he is. I told you last week we was going to get into some more tabernacle, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be some teaching this morning. I've been so enjoyed working this out. Oh, thank you, sweetie. I got worked up singing. And there's a lot more to do. I don't know how far we're going to go in this. We're just going to follow the leading of the Lord. But I'm prepared to go several weeks on this about the different things in the tabernacle. I'm ready to do whatever the Lord wants to do. Maybe he just did it for me and you just get this one. I don't know. But we're going to follow his leading. And I just ask that you pray this week. Pray for the convention. Pray that God's will be done. Amen. Folks, that's the first place that we have to come to is pray that God's will be done and not ours be done. Jesus showed us that when he was in the garden, right? Next we have to come to is when his will is done, help him get on board with your will, Lord. That's exactly what we want done. Amen? Amen. That's a good place for an amen. Because sometimes as we live this life, grow through this life, there are things that God is doing in us and through us. Sometimes we don't always see what he's doing. Sometimes we just walk out on him and we won't give him a chance. Sometimes we get to the place that we feel like we need to tell God what he needs to do. I've been there. I don't know about you, but I'll go ahead and confess. I've been there, but you know what? God gets to do what God wants to do. It's his program. Amen. He created it all, and therefore he gets to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. In my life, in your life, in our lives as together as a whole, he gets to do what he wants. But this week, we're going, to, we're going to talk about the tabernacle in the wilderness. We kind of touched on it last week. Remember the handouts I gave you? Well, praise the Lord. Pete was ready, able to get this thing up like two minutes before it was time to start this morning so we could have it up on the screen. Just throw it up there real quick. Let me make sure it works. Yeah, there it is. Now, don't you be making fun of the artistry there. I didn't have access to the internet. We were at Sweetie's Mom's for a few days, and I didn't have access to the internet to pull up the actual things that you see. So some of it is just blocks and pictures and things to put in, but it'll get it into us good enough. And you love that menorah there. That is handwritten on a computer. Uh, not Picasso. You take that down now. I just wanted to make sure it was working. But this morning, we're going to start off in the book of Exodus, chapter 25. I want you to hang with me on this, and I'm going to go fast as, as I possibly can. We've got a lot to cover, but I want to lay out the importance of the tabernacle. The importance of the tabernacle of God in the wilderness. It's the, the children of Israel is going through the wilderness, and God takes and he lays out the, this way of doing the tabernacle. He tells Moses what he wants done. This is what they do for the next 40 years wandering. We come along and we get to Jerusalem and we find out now that Solomon, he builds a temple. His temple, by the way, was just a smidge different than this. And then when we go a little bit further along, Herod has...
temple and we have the temple mount that's there today in Jerusalem. It meant something to God. And I'm going to show you here. So pay attention to where we're going with this, but take some notes. I encourage you to take notes because it'll be revelation for you in your walk and in your growth with Jesus. In Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1, said, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. Now you notice he says there, for everyone that gives it willingly. That would be a good place to do a tithing message, but that's not what this is about. It does tie into it. You can put that in the side note in your brain so that you can see how this works out. But he says, and this offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, I don't know what on earth, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood. Now let me stop right there. Acacia wood in the, in the, in the, uh, the original King James is called shatim wood, but it's acacia wood, and it's a wood that doesn't uh, break down and doesn't rot quick. It lasts. So when God tells you to what to do, it may not be the prettiest thing. It may not be what you think should be right. But God says, I already know this thing's going to be going for a long time. I need this to be have longevity. So he tells him to use acacia wood. All for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. And I told you last week, let's not forget about the anointing oil. But that's what the spices are for. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod of the breastplate. And that's what the high priest wore, and it was 12 stones that uh, it was represented each tribe of Israel. And the high priest would wear that upon his breastplate, at breast, breastplate. Let me try to get that out. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may, may dwell among them. God says, I want to come down and dwell among them, so you're making a sanctuary. Verse 9, it says, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Now what God basically says in that very last statement is, is he says, stick to the plans. I'm telling you how to do it. You deviate from it, I'm not going to be there. You do it a different way, then you're not doing what I said. Now we know how serious that is, right? Remember Moses went out and he had his rod and one time he touched the staff and they got water and the next time the people were grumbling and then while God says go out and speak to the rock, well Moses goes out and he done what he did last time. He took and he smacked the rock, the water came forth, the people got the water, but Moses was punished because he didn't go into the promised land because he didn't do exactly what God said. I need you to get that into your spirits this morning. When God says it, we do it exactly how he says it. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And so when God says do it, and that's what he's saying here, he says stick to the plans. And you know, I'm going to show you precisely how I want you to make this sanctuary. In Exodus 25 and 40, he says, see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Now, when he went up on the mountain and received the Ten Commandments, he received a whole lot more. Now, we talked last week about Paul. Remember, Paul, he was called up into third heaven. He got to see some things. Moses got to see some things. And so what we have here, and God says it over and over and again in the Bible, whenever he's repeating something, he is emphasizing it. And so he told him again, make sure you do it according to the pattern. And what he was saying is, this pattern is how I want it done, and if you do it the way I want it done, there's going to be some spiritual blessing coming your way. Amen? And that's what we have to get inside of our hearts. 
And so this was a pattern we see. In Hebrews 8 and 1 it says, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest, now that's Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. You see, he's talking about Jesus is now in the tabernacle that was made by God and not made by man's hands. But man came in as God instructed them and made a tabernacle to be just like the one in heaven. That's what he's showing us here. And he says, whenever you do it this way, when you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to come and dwell among the people. Amen? And so that's what he's teaching us here. You see, we have to look at some of this stuff and know that there are shadows and types and prophecies and, and uh, illustrations and different things that come along that will show great spiritual truths that we find in the, in the New Testament. And so Jesus, by the way, is kind of like that tabernacle, isn't he? Go ahead and put the first picture up, guys. Y'all hang with me on this and... And I'm not going to give you scripture reference on all this because we'd be all day just reading scripture, but I'm going to touch on them. If we keep going deeper in this, you'll see these things in the scripture. But you'll see here, you'll see that, that this tabernacle, it had an outer court. Or it had a fence around it. I got my little pointer today. Uh-oh, my pointer just died. No, it didn't. And you see, this here is the outer part of it, and it goes all the way around. Well, this outer part... It was 75 feet, it was 75 feet wide by 150 feet long. That's, that's the size of it, okay? And the fence, and what that is is a fence. I've got a model of this at home, and it's a white fence. That's where the linen comes from, and then it stands seven and a half feet tall, so it's basically about this much taller than me. And so that was the fence that went around it, but also in this fence you had a gate. Now that gate faces toward the east. If you've ever watched any of the preachers on TV talk and they talk about the eastern gate, that's the gate in the, in the Temple Mount, but that gate always faced to the east. It was about 30 feet wide, and basically what that's saying, if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to come to God, what this is basically saying is the gate's wide open. Now, we've got to do it the way he says do it. We don't get to do it how we want to do it. There are not many ways to God. There's one way to God, and that's Jesus Christ. But he says, here's a big old gate that you can come through. And by the way, the presence of God dwelt here, and the only way you could get to the presence of God was to come through the gate. There was the only way to, to do it. Now, this gate was about 30 feet wide, and this area out here is called the outer court. All in this is called the outer court. This is called the inner court. This is called the Holy of Holies. I put them down there for you. Okay? So out here in this outer court, we have two pieces of furniture. We have a brazen, a brazen altar, and that's where the sacrifices went. When they brought the bulls and the lambs, all these different things in, they would bring them in, and that's where the blood would be shed. That's where they would collect the blood that eventually the priest would take in into the Holy of Holies to, for the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur. But also you had this laver, and this laver is where we get our word lavatory, where we take a bath. And so this labor was set out also in, in this outer court. It's also called the Great Basin. And next you come to a tent-like tent structure, which would be the inner court, and this whole thing here is a tent. It's one big tent. And this tent was 40, uh, 15 feet wide and 15 feet high and 45 feet long. So it was 45 feet from there to there. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, uh, 45 feet long altogether. This is also called 
the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You'll find the reference of that in Exodus chapter 40. Now this tabernacle or this tent of meeting, this, this holy, holy place, was divided into two sections. You had the front part, which would be called the inner court, I mean, uh, yeah, the inner court, and then you had this next part, which would be called the holy of holies. And so that's how God set this thing up, and he showed the divisions the way that we come in. Now, now the inner court was 15 feet high and 15 feet wide and 30 feet long, and then this one here, well, actually, you have these pieces of furniture in here. You had had to the, to the north, so if you come in, and to the east, that's the west, that would be north, that would be south. So when you came in, you had this over here, you had the table of showbread. And directly across from it, you had the menorah, which was the, the lamp candlestick or the lampstand. And before you would go into the Holy of Holies, you had right here the, uh, the altar of incense. Those were the three things that you had inside of that. And everybody with me so far. And they all have significance in our growth. And then right behind, you had a cube-shaped box, basically, 15 feet. Now, that's not according to scale. You'll notice 15 feet by 15 feet and 15 feet high. And that's where you had the Ark of the Covenant, which had the, ta the ta tablets in it, Moses' Moses's law. And it had the, 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 the bowl of manna. And it also had Aaron's rod that budded. So this staff that he had, he walked with, it actually budded. So a walking stick. Mr. Hensley, if you went out tomorrow in the garden and you had your walking stick with you and it started getting buds on it, we'd know what, it, what, what would be happening. We'd know that the presence of God is there. Because he can take anything that's dead and make it alive. Amen? That should make us happy today. But that was the place, that was the room to where God dwelled. That's where his presence would come down. And this tabernacle, it describes Jesus Christ first and foremost. This is how you look and you're able to be able to see Jesus. He, he is the way that we come in. And it also describes you and me, man. It, it, it describes us. We, we find this and then the tabernacle also tells us how we come to God. Remember I told you, you can only come in through one way. The only way that you can come to God. Now, this tabernacle lets us know about Jesus. In John 1 and 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that word, He dwelt among us, basically, if you did it in Hebrew, it means tabernacle. It's the dwelling place of God, and Jesus, God, came and tabernacle or dwelt among us. He, he, hung, he, he came in the flesh. And so Jesus is that is that tabernacle. That's where the Shekinah glory of God was, was on Jesus. That's why he was able to do the things that he was able to do. Because he is God. God in the flesh. And that's how he came to us. And he, he dwelled among us. He lived among us. He tabernacled among us. And then it's by his spirit that he dwells inside of us. You see, we got to have the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we don't go very far inside of this thing. Now this tabernacle was made of cloth and made of badger skins and made of all these things. If you take this tabernacle and you walk up on it out in the woods, you'd say, well, that's just somebody over there camping. There's not much to it. Not much at all to it. But if you got invited to go inside, that's when you got to see the beauty of it. Because inside was where the beauty was. Remember I told you last week that the Spirit baptizes us in Christ? You've got to come into Jesus before you see the beauty. You see, Jesus 
could be sitting in this church right here today and nobody, unless it was shown to them by the Spirit, would know him. Because he wasn't much to look at. He didn't have a charismatic personality. He didn't have the, the, the $300 suit and pull up in the fancy car with the gold watches and all these things and shiny shoes. Jesus didn't have any of that. He was just, he was Jesus. And you see, when we'd see that tabernacle, we'd say it's not something very pretty. But see, when you come into Jesus, that's whenever we grow. That's when we get to see who he is. That's why some of us get excited when we talk about Jesus. That's why some of us get excited about the word of God. That's why some of us get excited when we're singing to Jesus. We know who he is. We've seen him from the inside. We know all about mercy. We know all about grace. We know all about the truth. And then there are others that don't see anything. They just see a guy. The homeless guy might come in. It could be Jesus walking in among us. And you say, well, I don't want to be around him and have anything to do with him. Careful, you might just be talking about Jesus. Because that's who he was. That's how he was in Isaiah 53 and 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's talking about Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here today, Jesus don't make you happy. Jesus don't, you don't get it. You don't get, understand why these people are shouting. You don't understand why they get excited about Jesus. You see, you don't need Ken to get you excited about Jesus. Because then that's just a performance. Amen? I mean, I can tell you right now, let's all clap. Let's all clap. Let's just clap. Let's just clap. Oh, let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Now there's some people not even doing it because they know exactly what I'm talking about. And Moses dealt with the same thing. You see, you can clap and listen to what the preacher says, but do you, are you really giving him this out of your heart? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to feel good when I leave church. Well, then get to know who Jesus is. Don't worry about the performance. Get to know who Jesus is. And you will be happy when you leave church because he's going to reveal things to our hearts and then he's going to help us on the road of recovery on those things. Amen? I'm not getting many amens, but that's okay. I'm doing exactly what God gave me. Amen. Amen. We won't desire Jesus because he don't look and fit the part that we think. That's the very reason that when he showed up, the Pharisees didn't even know who the man was. And they knew the scriptures. They didn't like him. Why? Because he took and up turned their world upside down. That's who Jesus is. And by the way, before you will enter into this tabernacle, into the place of heading to where the presence of God is, you first got to go through Jesus. And if you don't like him, and if you don't like his ways... You're not going to get very far. You're not going to get inside. You see, there are those of us that we, we get excited about Jesus, and I'll tell you why others don't get excited about Jesus, because they're not looking at him from the right side. They're on the outside looking in. It's just a door. It's just a tabernacle. It's an old, ugly tent. Oh, but when they come inside, that's when they're able to see the beauty. And that's why you have some that clap just now. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Can we in the church this morning? That's all for him. I'm just directing and doing what the Holy Spirit has given me to give to you. 
if you don't have it in you to clap about Jesus, maybe it's the fact that you don't know who he is. You've never seen him from the inside. Oh, we know how to play the games. We know how to walk the walk, but we don't know how to talk the talk. We don't know how to live it every single day. Amen? Oh, this is tight, Ken. This may be the last message I ever preached to you because convention's coming. And I'm going to make it good. I'm going to listen to what God gave me. But I'm going to give you exactly what he gave me. You want a place of freedom? You want a place of victory? Then you need to get excited about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We got to get excited about him. Amen. We got to get excited about Jesus. And that's why some people, they don't ever look at Jesus from the right side. They put God in the box that they want him to be in. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of God, the, 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 the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. How many of you thought foolishness was clapping and giving Jesus praise this morning? Maybe it was a church you was raised in, you just don't act like it in church. I don't know, I love him. I'm going to praise him. You see, that's what it says. The things from the Spirit of God is foolishness. Foolishness. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, the only way we can get it is for the Holy Spirit to come in and to start revealing some things to us. Then we start getting excited about Jesus. Now, the only way to see the tabernacle is from the inside, and you have to come through the door. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. There's only one way that you're going to get in. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That means when you walk out of here today, you can go out and you can be able to feast on the Word of God. You got a Bible. You got prayer. You got a, and that's one of the things that we have here is prayer. But you have to get to that place first. And you got to do it the way God says do it. Amen? We can't just do it how we want to do it. So the tabernacle, it also describes man. Now, the tabernacle had three rooms in it, the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. Man is a house of three rooms. Did you know that? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, you see that? Whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, with our body we have a physical life. With our soul we have a psychological life. That's what thinks and does these kinds of things. That's where we get the word psychology from, by the way. It's the Greek word of souk. And in our spirit is where our spiritual life happens. That's where God comes to dwell. That is the holy of holies of man. So you, you're looking at my outer, outer court now. Right? In all of its imperfections, it is what it is. This is the outer court. The inner court comes in here. This is where my intellect, my emotions, all those things are. And you're going to find out how these play into this. This is my inner court. This is my inner court that has listened to the Spirit of God, which is in the Holy of Holies in my heart, who is saying, okay, teach this, say this, take them down, down this road, let them be able to learn and understand this. See, that's, that's the man. That's how man looks at that. See, my body, it represents the brazen altar. In Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
This is where the sacrifice happens. We sacrifice. You sacrifice to come to church today. You sacrifice to share the word with somebody. You sacrifice your time to read the Bible. You sacrifice your time to have prayer. You sacrifice your time to have communion with God. You sacrifice your time to serve others. That's what he told us, right, about washing the feet. Yeah, if I'm doing it, you might as well do it for each other. He's, he's showing us that. And that's where the sacrifice happens. It happens in the body. That's when we overcome this body. The other things don't get to come in. And then the inner court represents my soul, and that's the place of worship and fellowship. I'm going to tell you now, there's no man that's walking on the face of this earth that can get you to the place that you're going to have worship for God. You can go to a concert, you can go to a race, you can go to a football game, you can get stirred up by all kinds of things, but when it comes down for the things of God, you can be anywhere on the place of this earth dealing with anything that you're dealing with, and if he's big inside of here, he's going to worship God no matter what. Amen? Now I put that amen on there with a question to see if you agree or not. It's a good place to give God some praise. You ain't going to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Amen. And then the Holy of Holies, that's where it represents in my spirit. That's where the Shekinah glory of, of God dwelt back in that back room of the Holy of Holies. And that's where he dwells at, is deep inside of me. That's why no matter the things that I come against, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on, whether I'm high, whether I'm low, I'm still looking at God. I'm still loving God. I'm still hanging on to his word. I'm still praying. I'm still trusting in him because sometimes he takes me on some roads I don't want to walk on, but if he's taking me on them, I need to be on them. Amen? And so I have to trust in that, and you can only do that with the Spirit. You can only be an overcomer with the Spirit of God taking you to the place that you can be that overcomer. That's where the power comes from. And Romans 8 and 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you know if you're a child of God or not? Now, you can raise your hand in the church. You can come up here and put your hand on a Bible and, and say some words that man's come up with to make you a member of the church, like joining any other club, really. But have you ever sat there and asked yourself, am I saved? You ever gone to that place? I did. After I got saved, I went to that place several times. I've been doing things that God's told me to do many times just by looking on the outside things of things happening, things going on, God, am I doing what you've asked me to do? Oh, I've been there. Maybe y'all just bigger than I am. Maybe y'all need to be preached instead of me. Yeah. But the Spirit himself lets us know. We may get into a weak place, but it's the Spirit of God that will assure us of where we are in him. In John 14 and 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, brothers and sisters, you and I are a tabernacle. Just like the picture we see, we are a tabernacle. And this tabernacle also shows us the way of, of salvation. Put up the second one there, if y'all would, real quick. Now, I turned it upside down, and Sissy had to help me with that, because I don't know how to do all that stuff. But now we put the door down here. You come in, Jesus is the door. You first come to the brazen altar, then you go to the laver. Now here's the part that everybody leaves out. And I'm going to show you this in just a minute. But this is where the priest was anointed with oil. He had to be anointed with oil before he could go any further with God. If he went inside of the holy place, or the most holy place, the inner court or the holy of holies, and something wasn't right with him, guess what happened to him? He died. 
And we leave this out. This is always left out. Every study I've ever looked at and paid attention to, it always leaves that little piece out. We talk about the other furniture, but I think my, I think my spotter's about to go dead. But then when you would go in here, now you get to this place of where the holy room is. You've got the lamp. You've got the bread. You've got the prayer. The altar of incense. Then you go into the holy place, and it makes a cross. If you looked at Solomon's temple, because Solomon's temple wasn't built like that. The holy place where the showbread stuff is was actually wide. So Solomon done some things a little bit different, but then he put a whole bunch of lampstands in there, and he, did, he just went overboard. He figured to do more. This is what God told him to do, but that's where salvation lies. He was telling the people, this is how you get to me. This is how you get to the holy place. So you have the outer court, the brazen altar, the, the anointing. Then you go to the inner court, you have the table of showbread. You have the lampstand on the menorah, or the menorah. They have the altar of incense. You go to the holy of holies, you have the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat. Now the mercy seat's very important. And we're going to talk about that later on. Not today, but we're going to talk about it later on. Jesus is the door. He's the only way in. In John 14 and 16, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You don't get to God unless you go through Jesus. You don't enter into this place unless you go through Jesus. That's salvation, folks. If you're here today and you're not saved, you can say, you can, and I'll take all the prayers you want to give me, but if you ain't saved, your prayers don't mean anything. I mean, you see that, right? Facebook and stuff like that. Well, we're praying for you. And you're thinking, no, you're not. You're not even saved. You ain't praying for me. And if you're praying, I don't know who you're talking to, but God's not listening. The only prayer that you're going to say when you're unsaved that means anything that God's going to hear is, Lord, I need you. Be the Lord of my life. After that, now you start growing and you get to a place. You understand what I'm talking about? And that sounds mean and all that just drives people away. But they need to know what the truth is. Because what did he say in the very beginning? See to it that you're doing it just like I showed you. you got to go by the plan that God gives you. You can't make it up as you go. You can't change it. Well, I don't like how this fits. I don't like how that fits. That's why we got all these denominations floating around. we got all these different doctrines going around. This place right here where the anointing happens, it gets skipped over. It gets skipped over when we have teachings like this. But yet it's important. Why? It's in the Word. And so Jesus is the door and then the sacrifice. There we have the shedding of blood. And Jesus is our sacrifice in Matthew 26 and 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which, I sh which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's his blood. Nobody else gets to shed blood for you. Kids, you don't get to follow mom and dad to heaven. You can come to church every Sunday because they beat you and make you, but until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're nowhere. Mom and dad's salvation is not good for you. It's good for them. Amen? Husbands and wives, if you're sitting here and you're unequally yoked today, and you, don't, and you know what? Your, your wife may make it to heaven, and you won't. Not until you come through Jesus. That's the only way that it happens. And then, uh, let's see, where was I? Hebrews uh, 9 and 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with the blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. And it's only the, by the way through Jesus. And then we come to the labor, the big place where we, where we bathe. But Jesus is the one that cleanses us in 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might have to come to this altar this morning because of a thought that was in your mind, something that you did this week that is unrighteous, and you need to come and confess it. You see, you get saved today, and that's good. You're saved. What happens tomorrow? 
Because, you know, there's things that I'm still learning. There's things that the first year that I was saved that I was doing the day after I got saved that I wouldn't do in a year later or two years later as the Spirit showed me, as I was able to grow in Christ. And that meant I had to continually keep coming back to the Lord and confessing sins. Don't mean I'm getting saved over again. But, you see, you've got to come and it's got to be made right. Otherwise, people get to live how they want. I said a sinner's prayer, I'm saved, now let's go party. You, put, you pick, it, pick on it what you want and put in it. Or let's just go ahead and be a gossiper. Let's talk about everything and everybody. You might as well go get shot up with drugs and drink liquor. Same place is going to be the home. And that's what Jesus says, I want to come. I want to come into you. I want to grow you. And you see, it's a process. Well, it ain't up there now, but if it was, it's a process. It's growing. It's going to the next level as we let the Lord do it. And so he cleanses us. That's what the labor's for. And then you have the anointing. Aaron was to be anointed before entering the tent of meeting or also known as the inner court or the holy place. Remember I taught you last week about the three baptisms. You have the baptized uh, by the Spirit into Jesus. And that's our salvation, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Then we are baptized in water, Matthew 28 and 19. Actually, you have it in all four Gospels. And also in all four Gospels, you have baptized with the Spirit. Two different baptisms. You baptized in the Spirit? Well, if you say yes, you're well, I'm saved. Or by the Spirit or with the Spirit. The Spirit baptizes us into Christ. And this is the step that gets left out. And I'm going to tell you why it gets left out. Because it disrupts many of the doctrines and causes many believers to live their life without power. This step right here. Anointing. I'm going to read it to you. Go to Exodus chapter 40 and verse 1. I read a commentary the other day. It said that the guy had to come to the, to come to the, to the place and they got one cleaning and that was good and that was good enough for them. No, that's not what the Bible tells you. And by the way, God says it over and over and over again. Reading Exodus, reading Numbers, reading Leviticus. He, he shows us over and over again of the procedure that was supposed to be done. How it was supposed to go. And it said in verse, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Remember I told you, that's the tent of meeting, where the, the Holy of Holies is and the holy place with the menorah and all that was. You've set that up first. That's what he does. And you shall put in it the ark of the testimony and portion it off, portion off the ark with the veil. Remember the big veil that was written to when Jesus was crucified. Okay, you partitioned this off. There was no light or anything that went inside of there. It was complete darkness except for the presence of God. So it was sealed off. Nobody could see in. Nobody could see out if they were inside. And you didn't go inside unless you were the high priest. But he says, partition it off. And you shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and the lights and light its lamps. So that's the next thing. You move out and you start setting that up. And you shall set the altar of the gold for incense before the ark of the testimony and put a screen up before it. So the ark of the incense was that one that was closest to it in there with the showbread and the, and the, and the lampstand. That was where the prayers went up. That's what that was uh, alluding to. We'll talk more about those later on. He said, then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle and of the tent of meaning. Put the picture back up, the first one. So he's telling you, you set this up first, then you come out, you set these up, and then you put that in, and now you come out and he says, now set this up. You see that? He's telling you to set this up. 
and you shall set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. The tabernacle of meeting is right here. This is this place. You put this up, and then he says, now put the laver between it. He's telling them how to put this all together. And you shall set up in the court all around it and hang up the screen of the court gate, and you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it and all of its utensils, and it shall be holy. And you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all of its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy. And you shall anoint the laver and its base and consecrate it. You see, that oil meant something. We're anointing it. We're making it holy. God says you're going to do this. Each time you set it up. How do I know that? Because we know that the Bible tells us that they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. It also tells us that they was led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So when the presence of God stopped, they stopped. They put the tent up. They did the rituals. They did what God had told them to do. They came in before God. Whenever the, 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 the Spirit of God is what that represents, whenever the, the pillar would move or the fire would move, they would pack it all up and they'd take off again. Next time I teach to you, we're going to talk about it. This was a very expensive place. Most expensive tent you've ever seen. But they picked it up and they did it. And when they moved to the next place, what did they do? They started doing this again. They started setting it up again. Now let's go here. Where was we at? Verse, verse 12. And then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. Every time they went in, they had to wash with water. And you shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest. Now Peter tells us that we are a royal priesthood. It ain't just the guy in the suit that's got the license to be a preacher. It's every single believer. You are the ones that can reach the people in your circle of influence. And you need to have the Holy Ghost so that you can explain things. Not only that, you need to have him so you'll have the boldness to talk to him. How many of you have wanted to talk to somebody and say, well, I just can't talk to them? But you never did open your mouth. It's because the Holy Spirit has to be stronger than the flesh, and that's how you have the boldness to tell them. Now, I'm going to tell you now, when you get ready to start telling people about God and the things of God, I know it as a preacher, I know it as a man outside of church, some people ain't going to like it. And some people are going to just run away from you. They don't want to hear what the truth is. They don't want to know, and, and you could give them all the love in the world. But they don't want to have anything to do with it. And we don't take that step. Why? Because it's not the spirit that's in us that gives us the boldness. Jesus went to the cross for everybody. Don't you think he wants everybody to know about it? Uh-huh. How's he going to do that? You and me. And so Aaron and them had to go in, and they had to be anointed. You see, where's the picture of Jesus in this? Well, I'm going to tell you in Matthew 3.11, I indeed that baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, if that ain't happening, God lied. Did God lie? No. If he's lying about that, that's what, that's what the devil did in the garden, right? Go ahead and doubt what God said. Bam, sin comes into the world. She wasn't, a, she wasn't a prostitute. She wasn't at a drug house. The only thing she did was doubted what God said and listened to what the devil had to say. And folks, that's what's going rampant in our world today. I was talking to somebody last week talking about the churches. I preached my heart out last week hoping to see God really flood this place. 
Nah, it didn't. He came to some, and, I, and I'm thank God for that. If one gets saved, if one gets the Holy Ghost, if one gets something. But I talked to a minister that's been around for a long, long time. He said it's going all over everywhere. There's no excitement for God. 25 years ago, you preached that message with the same anointing, and the place would have been breaking apart. So is it the preacher or is it the people? We got this going on all around the state. We're going to go to a convention this week. And I remember when I first came into the church 15 years ago, you went to Roanoke and the place was packed. They moved from Roanoke because nobody came. We want God to move, but we ain't got time. Am I right? You want to feel good when you leave church? Start praising God. Start giving Him the glory. Start coming to the altar and receiving what He has for you. That you will be an overcomer. Start bringing the things to Him that you can be an overcomer. You want mammy-pammy preaching and feel good all the time? Find somewhere else. This is not the place for you as long as I'm here because we're going to preach the truth. And the truth will set you free. And that's, the, that's just how it is, folks. I want you to get to that level. I want you to be at some place you once were. Well, the Holy Ghost used to move all the time. Well, what in the world happened? Get excited about God. Let the things of God lift you up and make you excited again that you will come to Him. I know this thing is not going over that great, and that's okay. But I'm telling you now, if Jesus Christ were to show up today, a lot of churches would never even know it. They would let out and go to the restaurant, and they wonder where these people over here are. They got raptured. Why? Because they were worshiping God. They were giving God all the glory. They were seeking God. They were hungry for the things of God. They wanted God to come in and to dwell inside of them so that they could take Him out and let everybody else know about Him. Amen? Then you had the table of showbread. Oh, I'm out of time. You had the table of showbread. I'm going to go hit this real quick. And skip the scriptures, guys. I'll give it to everybody later. I don't have time to read them. The table of showbread represents the Word of God. Who is the Word? Jesus. He said that in the scripture. I am the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's all you need right there. I had other scriptures to give to you, but that's the one you need. Who's the word? Jesus. You see, you get saved, you get yourself baptized, you get cleansed. That's a part of where sanctification does get started. But it don't really start happening until some anointing starts happening. And until that happens, you don't get to go in here. People say, well, I have a hard time reading the Bible. Oh, not if the Holy Ghost is a hold of you, you don't. You start getting hungry for it. Now, it's getting close to 12 o'clock, and I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. I didn't have breakfast this morning. It's the same thing in our spiritual life. Whenever you start getting hungry for the things of God, what's going to happen? You're going to go feast on it. So you go inside of here and you start feasting, but guess what's also going on? You can't feast on the Word of God unless there's some light. The only light inside of this place was that seven-branched candlestick. The center one represents God and the other ones represent man. Six is the number of man, one's the number of God, seven. There's seven branches. Seven represents perfection. 
that light comes in and that light which is by the way fueled by oil which represents the spirit that's the only way the light comes in is by the spirit now you can feast upon this and you have understanding amen do you see that that's what he's talking about you don't get to go all the way into here you got to do it the way God says to do it he said make sure you set it up the way I'm telling you follow the pattern this is the pattern in heaven so we start feasting and we start working. We start learning the word. We get to the place that we can't wait to have a teaching like this. Some of you wish I'd play a guitar and tell you some jokes and make you laugh and then get, get a service going, but I want you to understand and to know. Why do we get to the place that where we sometimes sit that we feel like we're in the wilderness? It's because we do not know this stuff. And it's not inside of us. It doesn't grow inside of us. Once you get to here, the next place you go is to the place of prayer. I told you about people praying. And you ask yourself, you answer this question to yourself, not to me, when I ask it. Do you talk to God every day? And do you talk to God to more than just your wish list? Ninety percent of the Christians in this world today, they come to God with the wish list. The prayer line comes on, it's to pray for somebody. We need something, Lord. But when you get to this place right here, this is where communion starts happening. You might sit and not say a word for a long time, just listening to God and letting him bathe you with his presence. God, do you want me to do this? And then you don't hear nothing? Well, I'm out of time. i got to go. Ball practice is coming up. You know, choir practice is coming up. Uh, Pick it, you name it, and that's religion. And the devil wants us to have all the religion in the world. He don't never want us to get to that place right there. Because the next thing after that place, that's when you move into the communion. I stand at the door and knock. That's what he says, I stand at the door and knock. He stands right here at our heart's door knocking. He's knocking this morning. And I can tell you right now, before you walk out of this church, every single one of you that's sitting here this morning, God wants to have communion with you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's trying to do, but I do know this, what he's wanting to have with you. It might be that you get saved. It might be that you grow. It might be that you get over a hurt that's sitting inside of your heart. And he says, that's got to go. We got to do some washing. So now we got to come back out here and we got to get washed. The washing of the word. You understand that? Has this not made any sense? Everybody still just chewing on it or you just bored out of your brain saying, shut up because it's five after. I can assure you this morning, if you want something from God, maybe you've got something you're dealing with in your life and you just need him to just, Lord, I can't see past it. Come and receive from him. Let us anoint you with oil. That's what they did there, right, in the, in the tabernacle. And let the Holy Spirit do the work that he and only he can do inside of your heart. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here today and you're alive, and I don't think nobody's dead yet since I've been speaking, God wants to do something in your life right now, today. Right now. You got a song in your heart? Come and play. We worship Him in spirit and truth. We talk about the scriptures that we we want the word of God to be in us. We want the Holy Spirit to be in us. 
we want him to bear witness to us. Well, I'm going to tell you the only way bearing witness happens is you've got to go inside of the Holy of Holies where the presence or the Shekinah glory of God is. This morning, you know how to get there. You've been to Jesus. You know how to get there. But can you get to the next level? You may be sitting here with bitterness in your heart over something this morning. God says you can't come into my presence except how I tell you. He told us in the very beginning, you set it up the way I tell you, this is the picture of how we come to God, the steps, so to speak. First of all, it's through Jesus, and then we start growing. When the Word starts illuminating inside of us, and the Spirit starts working inside of us, oh man, don't He do a wonderful work. Sometimes it hurts a little bit when He's trying to change our hearts. Somebody didn't do something to suit you. And now you're sitting there like an old bullfrog. Is that the life you want to live? Jesus Christ says you don't have to live that life. I can help you with that. But the only way I can help you with that is you've got to submit. you got something sitting in your life that needs fixed, needs to be taken away from you. You don't know how to beat it. By the way, you can't beat it. Not without God. Not without the Holy Spirit doing something in our hearts. I told you this morning there's going to be a healing service at 10 o'clock on Friday morning. How many needs healing in their body? Come and see. Is that what Jesus said? Come and see. What are you going to be out of? A trip to Lynchburg? Well, instead of going to the mall on Tuesday, wait and go Friday. Save gas that way, isn't that smart? Isn't that wisdom? We're saving money, right? So swing on by and come and see. Walk in with belief in our hearts that God can touch us. We got the testimonies to prove it. Amen? We got the testimonies to prove what God has done. Loretta's sitting here today, a year ago. She heard the big C word, scared her to death, scared all of us. God's got you through it. Wasn't always easy, but He saw you through it. And for the rest of your days, if you have to remember, every day I had the big C going on in my body, but Jesus touched me, then you go right back there and get to that place to where you can have the worship for God. Anger and bitterness sets inside of our hearts every single day, every single week. Why? Because people don't act the way we think they should. Then we start searching out people that will help us to keep our bitterness going. And the Holy Ghost is saying, look, I don't work there. I fix that. That's what I do. You see, His love that He has for us, He came down out of heaven. Jesus came down out of heaven. So that you and I could be saved. That was the only way it could happen. They put all the bulls, all the goats, all the lambs on the altar. They went through the rituals time and time and time and time again. 
and the high priest to get himself cleansed and to get himself right. I read one place that they wouldn't even sleep because they didn't want to have a dirty dream. You know, you can't sometimes control your dreams, right? Because then they would be unclean and couldn't go into the presence of God because they'd die. They weren't worthy to be able to go into the Holy of Holies and splatter that blood around. And they did it year after year after year after year. But Jesus Christ came once and for all and shed His blood upon the cross. And He says, now I'm going to send you the Helper and the Helper is going to help you through everything that you face. He will teach you all things. And He's got to come in here and start doing some work physically in our bodies, spiritually in our bodies. He is the one and the only one that can do the work. I'm asking you this morning, do you still believe that? You shake your head, you can stomp your feet, you can say yes, you can stand up and shout yes. But I'm telling you this morning, God is telling you, come and see. I've got what you have, but you see, you had to enter in and you had to go. And I listen to people say, well, preacher, I, I can pray back here. You sure enough can. I'm not telling you you can't, but I'm telling you this morning, this is what God is directing you to do. Stay in your seat and leave the same you came. Get out of your seat, come and receive. And you know what? It's called a step of faith. You don't get out of your seat and come, you don't believe. Oh, preacher, you just done open a can of worms there. No, you take that up with God. You got something. I'm not saying you got something you're dealing with. I believe everybody in here needs to receive something from God. Sometimes we pray for things from God that God don't want us praying. He gets blamed for a whole lot of things he has absolutely nothing to do with. He said, come and see. Come and see. 